Welcome to Principal Inspiration. My name is Rick Hunt and I am the host of this podcast about things that inspire me. Things as an educator that I find um, help me be better, help me be more awesome for my kids each and every day. And I want to talk today specifically about, well, actually it's a topic that some people I've heard talk quite a bit about. Growing up, I have heard things like, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You might have heard of the seven deadliest sins, and of those seven deadly sins, the most deadly, the most destructive sin is pride. Talking about pride today. Now, I also have heard, take pride in your work. Do a good job. Be proud of that. Look, I, I don't think it's wrong to be proud of things. I don't think it's wrong to, to have and take pride in things. Now, certainly it is if I take my pride and I lose my humility. If I allow my pride to become hubris and I, I allow it to supersede my better judgment, because suddenly I think I've got it more than anybody else, well, certainly pride can become a stumbling block. But I think pride is critically important in doing a good job. We cannot be as awesome as our kids need if we don't take pride in everything we do. I just bought a new home. Now, not a new house, but a new home. was actually uh, out shopping for homes with my oldest daughter here recently. And my middle daughter had just bought a home. My, uh, she bought an old home, about 150, maybe more years old home, and, I mean, the thing is amazing. You go down in, it actually has a, an area where it was a part of the Underground Railroad in the basement uh, where escaped slaves hid. And there's that little area in the basement where you can still see that. This thing is a, it's just a grand, old, beautiful home. It needs a tremendous amount of work. And my daughter is doing so. And it's just beautiful. My oldest daughter then wanted to buy a home as well. Things are looking good financially right now for doing so. The market is hot out there. Uh, interest rate's good. And so I, I talked to her about the idea of renting versus owning. And, and she got to looking. And I got to go up and help her look for homes. And we went to lots of old homes. And as we walked through each of those old homes, I got an old bug back, an old itch around old homes. I love the old architecture. I love the old woodwork you find in homes. And so here recently, we, we lived in a newer home. It was built in the 70s, uh, recently redone. Beautiful home, lovely land, had a deck on it, the back that was huge, had a pool. It, it overlooked uh, a, a wooded lot in the back with a stream. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I had a beautiful, beautiful place to live, but I, I, I just wasn't happy with the home. And I had just moved into that home from another one um, when I was up in Indianapolis before I moved down here to Rockport. The one in Indianapolis was actually a brand new home I'd bought. And I'd lived in that home for, heavens, 12 years or so. And I'm going to tell you what, that new home up in Indianapolis, what you would have thought would have been great, brand new. By the time I moved out, I was disappointed because I'd found so many things where I felt like the builders had just gotten by. They'd barely done the minimum that's required by code in putting this thing together. I thought I was buying a pretty well-built home. They sold me as such when we sat down to talk about the build. But I'm going to be honest, I think it was I think it was a piece of crap. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. I was very frustrated with some of the things that I was finding that was breaking, that I was having to repair. I should never have had to. The staircase in the house almost fell down. 
I had to go underneath it and rebuild the entire thing. Shouldn't have had to done that in the in the I think that was at year seven eight. Should not have had to do that. This is almost a brand new home. No pride in the work there. None. Pride can be bad, but I'm going to tell you what, pride and in, in, in taking time, as we found in, in these old homes, homes that are 150 years old, the house I just bought is 120 plus years old, and when I walk in, there are things that are original to that house that just jump right out. Some of the old casement work, the old pocket doors, the locks on the pocket doors still work. The original hardware is solid, still works. How many doorknobs have I had to replace in a new house because they, they tw- didn't hold up or they gave out or they kept slipping, the, the screws kept slipping, they wouldn't hold together? Plenty in that one that I had in Indianapolis, I'll tell you. It was terrible. This house, there are things in it that uh, that have outlasted the, the owners, the original owners, the new owners, and are going to outlast me. These are well-built, excellent and well-done things. I imagine when I think back when that house was being built, somebody got done. If you if you were to see our fireplace, this fireplace is absolutely gorgeous. It is not just a mantelpiece. This is a piece of art. The wood runs up all around the fireplace. There's a built-in mirror. There are shelves. There are two um, posts that kind of stick up the, that are there probably for candles. I think originally that's what we've done is we've added some candles to it. Absolutely gorgeous. And when whoever did that, I guarantee you, they stepped back after they got done and they looked at that and they took pride in their work because they had just done something right. My dad used to tell me, if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. Make sure you do it right. And I think there comes the opportunity for pride in that. And if you don't take pride in your work, well, it costs you more. To be quite honest, I think if you cut corners... If you do the things that that are quick, the quick out, the quick get it through, if you are doing things the easy way, well, it's not going to work out for you. If you do it right the first time, well, it's going to take longer, no doubt. Absolutely, it takes longer to do it right the first time. It's going to take you a few extra minutes to do something that you, you, I just do it this way, I could do it that way. This is going to take me more time. It's going to take a lot more effort. Certainly takes a tremendous amount of work to spend the time to research to do what needs to be done to make sure that you get it right the first time. And you know what? It probably costs a lot more to do it right the first time. To put the right materials into it, cost in time, cost in investment, cost in research, cost in manpower, whatever it is to do it right the first time, very likely is going to cost you more. But the benefits of doing it right the first time, the benefits of taking pride in your work, well, those costs exponentially outweigh the things that you gain in save, saving a little time, maybe saving a little effort, saving a little cost at the beginning, doing it right over time. Look, there, nobody has ever had to replace the stairs in that house. The stairs did not fall down in that house. They're the original staircase. There's a couple creeks in it. There's a couple places where the wood might have, have separated just a bit here and there, but it is not falling down. I guarantee you that I can jump up and down on it the whole way. It creaks a little, but it is not moving. That staircase in the house that I had up in Indianapolis, if I jumped up and down on it when it was at its worst, I'd have fallen right through. That is an eight year where this has lasted over 120. Pride. 
as educators, do we take pride in what we do? People would tell us you shouldn't be too prideful, you know, this and that. I, <laughs> baloney. We have got to take pride. I am unabashedly an attention-seeking principal who wants to make sure everybody hears me toot our horn. I take tremendous pride when my team does a good job, when my team steps back and they have done the extra to make sure something they've done well shines. I toot my horn about that. I want people to know. Here recently I was sitting in a um, a tire shop. We had uh, had a pretty good snow here. I'm sitting over in this tire shop, and there's a there's a grandfather across the way from me, and he's sitting there, and he sees my shirt. I had on a shirt with my uh, school logo on it. And he looks at it, and he says, hey, uh, you're from South Spencer? I said, yeah. He says, uh, boy, yeah, my grandson over here. Uh, you guys are out of school over there with the snow? I said, yeah, we're, we're out right now. We're doing e-learning. And I said, I had to come over here because my wife had a flat tire. I had to get that fixed for her real quick. And I'm actually on the job. My phone rings. I'm stepping out. But uh, I'm here, and he says, oh, yeah. He said, boy, um, my, my grandson's currently at home, and, and he was home quite a bit, and they're, they're not doing anything. They don't have e-learning, and we're on day three, and, and he was out a lot for COVID, and I'm just worried about how he's going to be. How is his education going to get where it needs to be? And you know what? I talked to him a little bit about the fact that, hey, we're actually – having you learning our teachers are connecting with students right now and uh he looked at me and said you know i i my sister has a grandson over there and uh, i was over at her house and i saw him logged in with his teacher she was actually teaching class but there were some kids uh there too i said yeah we're, we, we've been face-to-face instruction the whole year from day one uh, we've done two platforms. The teachers have done the extra work, invested the extra time to develop curriculum and to make sure that they can teach both face-to-face brick students and click students. Not many people have done that out there, by the way. And I will tell you, not many people have done it as successfully as we have. I'm going to toot our horn right now. I am so proud of my team. They have taught day one In the year of COVID, when so many other corporations have shut it all down, or if they did go face-to-face, they put the kids in a different platform. They sold sold them off to vendors to deal with. That's local corporations around here. Our students came to school, and they met with their teachers every day via video with the class. They were participating. I had teachers who would have kiddos hold a kiddo who was virtual at home, on a Chromebook and walk that Chromebook around from group to group so the students could participate. They would set the Chromebook in a group or two or three, socially distanced, masked up, but so they could talk still and do some of the activities we need to do in school to help students be the best they can be. The things that we know are best practice and face-to-face instruction, we continue to do those. Did them safely. Our data shows that we have not had huge spreads of COVID in our schools. I can think of one potential case where we had a student to student and that wasn't necessarily even here it was after school in our after school program um we've been blessed to be able to be here with our kids but our teachers put it together and they did two platforms that took a lot of time we had to spend a tremendous amount of time leading and we did professional development days we got it right we looked for the 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 programs that would allow us to make that happen. We brought those in. They weren't exactly perfect. 
teachers have had to work really hard to retrofit some things. But that front load of work, doing it right now, I believe is going to save our kids over time. Next year, our students could be farther along than kiddos who were virtual for months and months at a time. I'm sorry, virtual instruction is not as good or can be as well done for early elementary students. Having that teacher right there with the student and working with them, allowing the teacher to see what the child is doing just from across the table, the child being able to see the teacher and listen to the teacher and work with the teacher at that that closer proximity, being in the classroom, having the interaction with other students in the lesson, those are things you cannot set aside. And virtual is just not the best option for kids. I, I defy an educator out there to tell me that's that's not the case. I'd argue it all day long. We did it, and I, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I think it's important to note why. Because one, I'm taking a lot of pride in it, and two, because if you spend the time to do something right, if you spend the time to commit to something to do it well, you reap the benefits over time. The builders of my house took a lot of time to put together something well. They took a lot of time to, to, to put the tile on, to make sure the wood casement was put together. It was nailed and glued in such a way that 120 years later, it still looks amazing. It still looks like it did when it was built, and it's still just as sturdy. In a school system, if we don't spend the time up front planning, ensuring that we've done the right thing, the research, well, we're not going to get where we need to be. And we might get down the road and realize suddenly we have to do a tremendous amount of remediation to fix what we tried to do quicker before. The cost that we spent, the, the little bit of savings we spent here is going to be exponentially more expensive down the line and trying to remediate or support our kiddos because we didn't spend the time we need or put the right amount of money into the program early on. I think that's in staffing. I think that's in curriculum purchases. I think that's in planning and professional development. Each and everything we do, if we take the time to be proud of it, to do it right the first time, creates the best opportunity for our students. They don't deserve anything less. We can't be awesome if we don't take pride in our work. You know what? Building pride in your team and helping them recognize the great things that they do, the things that are lasting, the things that are doing better for us. Well, your team, if you build them up with that and, and make sure you're having pride, taking a little bit of pride in what you do and then cheering about it, I don't think that's a problem. Some might say it is. Some might say it's a deadly sin. I am going to toot our horn. I am going to shout out the great things we do. And then I think that builds capacity and desire to do it right again. I mean, when you do something right, when you do it well, and then you step back and look at it, it makes you just want to do that well again. You get a sense of accomplishment that, that triggers this idea that, hey, I'd like to get that feeling again by doing the next thing right and doing the next thing well. And when you build pride in your team and you help them understand the great things that you're doing, that allows them to have the motivation and the energy to work through the hard thing. I, I think we came to this year because we had a little swagger in our step because we felt a lot of pride in the work we were doing. We were able to approach this year with a, a tremendous struggle coming our way and looking at it going, you know what, we can knock that out. 
We can get through that. When you do the hard work with a with really difficult children and you are able to step back and go, wow, we did an amazing thing with that kiddo. The next time the really difficult student comes your way, you know you can nail it. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to work the same way it did the first time. Struggling kids who come into the building who have major behavior issues, major academic issues, who are going to take the tremendous amount of time and energy and resources away from everything else you do, those are tough kiddos in your building. But when you can take pride in the idea that you can move those kids forward, when you take pride in a program that allows them to be successful, suddenly those new kiddos who move in, you're not as worried about. You're not as afraid of how it's going to disrupt this or that. You are able to support and you mitigate those issues quickly and you create the best program for that child. When your staff feels like they've got a little swagger and pep in their step and they've got pride in what they do, I believe they want to do more, want to do better. And then that bleeds over into the kids. They take pride in the work because they see it in their teachers. Everybody is more professional, more aligned with the work, and then the kids. It is okay to tell your kids to be proud of their work. We want our students to take pride. We want our students to recognize when they do a very good job because then, just like the teachers, they'll want to do a good job again. They'll want to do the next thing well. That catches then to the parents. The parents begin to take pride in your program. They start to look around and say, wow, this is looking pretty awesome. They start to talk to their friends about how great things are going. That then bleeds in the community and other stakeholders. And suddenly, you've got a community who's looking at your school and saying, they're doing it right. They're doing it well. When you have a, a community, a group of stakeholders, a group of parents who are, who are very negative around the program, when you've got teachers who are posting on social media, challenges they're facing, when people are talking negatively and not taking pride in what we do or pride in our program or school, it breaks down everything. Quickly, that spills into lessons, spills into students, spills into the academic performance of the building, the culture, the climate, negativity, and a lack of pride in what you do is just as deadly, just as damaging as maybe taking too much pride and allowing that to kill your humil humility. Hubris is certainly bad, but I will tell you, so is not taking pride. I think it's important. Have a little swagger in what you do. Look, I, I do. I'm not going to lie. I send out my own press releases. I put out things about what I'm getting ready to do. Not be, Well, I'm not going to lie. I like a little bit of attention. I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if I did. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I think see, being a little attention, seeking to take a little bit of pride in what you do adds to the culture and the climate of the program, allows you to have the swagger to move through and approach things that are more difficult, more challenging. I really do. Look, I, I uh, last year I challenged the students to read, and uh, I, I said, hey, I'd like you guys to read so many minutes. If you read so many minutes, I'm going to do a little something different. I'm going to sleep on the roof. And students met the challenge. I slept on the roof. This year, students, I asked them, I said, hey, if you, if you raise a certain amount of funds, I'm going to kiss a pig, and not just a little pig. I'm going to kiss a big pig. I actually done a couple pig kissing and things that cut years before I kissed a baby pig I may have kissed a guinea pig may have played against the rules a little bit building up to this year I actually went out and kissed a huge pig 
And before I, I slept on the roof, before I went out to kiss the pig, I sent a press release out to the local media letting them know, hey, something fun's coming up if you want to join in. And both times we got publicity. We did a walkathon this year. During COVID, we we're here face to face and we, we took our kids out to raise money for our PTO. And we didn't just do a small little walkathon. We took that walkathon out and about and, and all around the town. And we socially distanced and we did it right. And, but we did it in a way the kids could be cheered in. And our town took pride in that moment. We had the mayor's office out. We had police officers out. We had businesses out cheering our kids on as they came by. And we were coming by for about two and a half hours because we were trying to stretch everything out to socially distance. I'm telling you, the local media caught on and they talked about those good things. The community took pride in the events. They take pride in their school. They're talking about us in, in a positive light. And that gives us the capacity just to do a little more. Pride carries you. It can hurt you if you use it the wrong way. But I believe taking pride in things can carry you. Toot your horn. Talk about the good things you do. Don't be ashamed. To say, hey, we are doing amazing, awesome things. Go out and cheer. Champion your team. Tell them the good work they're doing. Make sure you're doing that each and every day. Make sure that you are telling the kids how well they are doing. Sell it. Take pride in it. That is how you have then the energy to do it through the hard things. And it's also the way you ensure that you are putting things together in a way that it will last. Things that will last over time and you're not going to have to remediate or fix or spend more money on later because you just didn't take the time or put the pride and effort into what you were doing early on. Whether that be in the classroom, whether that be as an administrator, whether that's the bus driver, the cook, whatever place you are and whatever facet you have in the school, take some pride in it. Hey, go tell your cafeteria team about a lunch you saw somewhere else and watch the, the, the competition get there. You know, hey, I'd, I'd love to see if we could make a meal as good as that school did. Couldn't hurt. And maybe you just have a little extra something on the plate that makes the kids a little more excited about lunch. Small things, taking pride in small ways, creating a little bit of that urgency and competition in your team isn't a bad thing. Doing it the right way can make it be the best program all the time for our kids. I tell you what, they absolutely deserve nothing less. Nothing less than you taking a little pride, having a little swagger, and doing it the absolute best you can be. Go be awesome. <laughs>